Okay, I'm going to get started. Welcome. Glad that you are here. Thank you for being here. Parenting session number three, we'll, we'll close out this mini-series here today. Uh, and uh, we'll have a, a panel up here in about 15 or 20 minutes. Thank you for, many of you submitted questions or emailed me, which was great. And I've compiled those, and so we'll have a chance to address many of those questions. Obviously, if you submitted a question and uh, we don't have a chance to talk about it, that doesn't mean we don't want to answer that. Be happy to talk with you further on that uh, at any point, so just know that. Uh, part of, let me get my notes here, part of, uh, or there were several questions, uh, probably, I don't know, I'm not good with percentages, but several questions all related to one main theme, and that had to do with technology and social media and children. What do we do about that? And that is constantly changing, it's, uh, as you guys know, and that is a big deal. So what I wanted to do here in the first 15 or 20 minutes is just take a stab at that and address that just a little bit. And uh, so that's what we're gonna do here, really children, technology, and social media. And really the question, and this is on your handout here, is does the Bible give any guidance for us as parents in this area of technology and social media. Here, you've probably heard these terms. Electronic narcotic, face magnet, portable babysitter. And all of those, again, are just some synonyms for smartphones, tablet, other devices. I mean, technology is so much a part of our lives, it's, it's everywhere and we can't get around it. And so the question we're asking, well, is that a problem? Is that a problem for us as parents? And how about as you think about raising kids? Does that become a problem then for kids? This was uh, just a year or two ago, a recent study by the Kaiser Family Foundation. They said this, as anyone who knows a teen or tween can attest, media are among the most powerful forces in young people's lives today. Eight to 18-year-olds spend more time with media than in any other activity besides, maybe, sleeping. An average of more than seven and a half hours a day seven days a week. Now just think about that, seven and a half hours a day, seven days a week. So it's, it's no wonder on one hand that we're dealing, especially with young kids and teenagers, some of the issues that we're dealing with, some of the challenges that we're dealing with, but, but we just recognize that technology is affecting us. Now whether it's good or bad, one thing is certain, it is absolutely affecting us and it does affect our children. And so it is oftentimes so much a part of our everyday life that we don't really even think too much about it. It's sort of like the air we breathe. So I uh, wanted to take, um, at least give some wisdom here, and admittedly this is going to be uh, just a, a first stab and kind of a fly over here. But I really wanna answer this question. Does the Bible give us guidance as parents in this area of technology and social media. For, for our purposes today, when I think about technology, what I mean by that is, again, internet, laptops, iPads, smartphones, communication devices, TV, iPod, the whole thing, okay? Video games, that's technology. And when I think about social media, you know, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, there's a whole new, there, there's a whole bunch of things. It's almost like every week there's, there's new forums and stuff. So that's not gonna slow down. But again, for all of those tools, God does have something to say to us, okay? So I, I wanna give you 10 questions and, and just some uh, research this last week. These are questions that they're not unique to me. I pulled them from a whole bunch of different resources, added some more, amended, coalesced, borrowed, stole, and just compiled into 10 questions, okay, that I think can help us, to help us as parents, not just think through in our own lives how technology is impacting us, but as we seek to raise kids, especially if your kids are still at home. These are things that we, we want to be aware of. We want to at least begin to ask these sorts of questions. If you're married, husband and wife, for you to begin thinking about this in your own life as it relates to your kids. So 10, actually I got 11 questions, I got a bonus one there. 10 questions. Uh, number one, as we think about technology and social media, is it helping us be present in our families? Is it helping us be present? Which may be like a strange question to ask because you think, well, it's 
present all over the place. You can't get away from it. But when I say present, what I mean here is, is in the Deuteronomy 6 way. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We, we talked a little bit, especially the first Sunday here, of, of this passage that the Word of God is, is constantly that refrain in our homes. We, we want to be talking about the Word of God. We want to be talking about the Lord. That We impress these things, the truths of Scripture, when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, when we lie down. Now, is technology helping us to do that, or is it maybe a hindrance to doing that? Uh, I'm old enough to know, and when, at least when, when I was a kid, you often heard of the phrase latchkey, latchkey children, right? Which referred to what? Yeah, and maybe, maybe both parents are working, but nobody's there, and then what happens next? And, and a lot of times, like 30 years ago, it was like TV. Right, you just go, you just watch TV, cartoons, or whatever. Well, well, the phone and tablets—that's basically replaced that now. So that's where we get that phrase, you know, the electronic foster parent. So we're not delegating our job here of shepherding and influence our children to the electronic foster parent, which could be a phone or a tablet. So really, this, this first question here—this is this is in large part a question for us as parents. Like, we need to put our phones down. We got to put our tablets down. We need to be present with our family. So the emails can wait, and the podcast can wait, and the blog can be read later. And this is just my opinion, but far less people care about what you had for supper than you think. So are, is it helping us be present in our families? Now, here, here's the thing. With technology, there, there's an upside to this because I think we can also say, if we're really honest, that, well, yeah, Technology can be used to help us be present. So some of you maybe work from home, maybe you do FaceTime, maybe you do Skype. I'm thankful for FaceTime because I can FaceTime family in Canada. 20 years ago, I couldn't have done that. So I'm grateful for that. But again, the question is, is technology, social media helping us or hindering us from actually being present with the people that really matter? Okay, that's the first question. Number two, is it helping us be alert. Is it helping us be alert? Scripture has a lot to say about being awake, being alert, being watchful, okay? It's really all over the pastoral epistles in particular. And so how easy it is when we think about technology and social media, it really has the opposite effect in many ways, doesn't it? Instead of helping us be alert and awake and ready, you might say, oftentimes it can lull us and it can distract us. Uh, this last week I was in the grocery store. I mean, you know how this happens, and we're all guilty of this. Guy was just staring down at his phone, and maybe it was his grocery list, I don't know. But he's just staring down his phone and just banged right into another car. You know? and, th- and that kind of thing happens all the time. It's like we're staring at our phone, life is moving, life is short, and we can miss that. It, probably isn't helping us really stay alert, at least pay attention to the things that are really important. And so that's the question. Is technology helping or hindering you as a parent, maybe from being alert to what's going on right in front of your face? Third question, is it helping us be transformed? Romans 12.2, God commands us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? transformed by the renewing of your mind. So obviously there is a way the world works and the world is seeking to conform us, right? That, that pattern presses in on us probably way more than we think. And especially with just the, the rate of information, it doesn't even have to be like social media, just news coming at us, bombarding us. I mean, uh, there's a whole delivery system that probably unparalleled in human history, at least the, the, the speed at which it's all coming at us. And so, again, the question there is, is this technology helping or hindering you as a parent from being transformed in the image of Christ? Is it helping your kids uh, as you think about that? Uh, There's some interesting studies on the brain and the plasticity of the brain that I I find very fascinating. But one of the things that 
that, that we can learn is that there are actually uh, very deep channels that, you know, made in our brain that are really hard to remove, in fact. So just think about that. Technology actually shapes your brain. And that's, that's the science. But, it, but it's actually confirming what Paul wrote here 2,000 years ago, right? The world wants to conform us to be, think a certain way, and we are to be transformed by God's Word. So in other words, especially with, with our kids, we're, we're seeking to carve out biblical channels in their brain. Uh, on the positive, technology can be very helpful. I mean, how many of you have ever listened to a sermon online? Podcasts that have been super helpful for your spiritual growth. You got books on tape, you got the Bible on tape, you got all these things. We can, I mean, it's never been easier to read Scripture, share Scripture, sermons, understand Scripture than, than it is in our day because of technology. But again, thinking about our brains and how they're wired, like if our brains are plastic in that sense, what about our children's, right? So what channels are we carving in our children's brains? So in that sense, technology can be helpful, but we just got to be aware of what's at stake here. So again, is it helping or hindering you from being transformed into the image of Christ? Number four, is it helping us grow in wisdom? Is it helping us grow in wisdom? This is where... There, there, there really is a distinction between knowledge and wisdom. So we really do need to remember that, at least biblically, what's new is oftentimes not what is better, and what is more is oftentimes not what is best. So that latest podcast or blog post, just think about that. Will you, will you be making reference to that six months from now? Maybe a year from now? Maybe five years from now? How about like 500 years from now? Is anything that we spend our time reading and like sinking in, will we still be like five years, 500 years from now, will, we'll, will that still be a, a hot topic? Probably not. Probably not. So, I mean, our children are growing up in this, right, where they have an endless amount of information. And, and a lot of it, not all that helpful and much of it not very useful. So what we're trying to do is to teach our children to find true sources of wisdom. So that's going to mean some severe time limits and shutting off games. And, and here's a novel idea. I know this is kind of crazy. Go with me on this. Handing them a book. That's kind of a crazy deal. I'll say more about that in just a minute. Okay. Is technology helping or hindering you as a parent and our children from growing wisdom? Number five, is it helping us to be patient? This is a tough one. Because I think we're all saying, um, no. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Obviously, we know the name of the game in technology is what? Faster, better, quicker, more bandwidth, all of that. But then we come to the Bible, and we read over and over again in the Word of God that the wise man is patient, like a farmer who's waiting for that pleasing fruit. Uh, the, the godly person is patient with others' faults and sins, is patient waiting for the Lord to move and work, is patient for the Lord's coming. So all that means that uh, we've we got to have a long view of things and, and that we're not always looking then for that next quick hit. It, it can be like a drug, actually, can it? Just a quick fix. Uh, this was a couple years ago at a conference. I remember... Uh, this, uh, there was a Christian psychiatrist, actually, who was doing a lot of studies on technology with kids, and uh, here's what she was seeing in children, at least, with all of this media. She said that it actually teaches us to demand everything right away. Now, just think about that. I mean, our kids do that naturally. They don't need help with technology, right? But, but the challenge is that we don't really learn perseverance. We don't really learn resilience. So, yes, more and more... You know, if, if, if your child picks up a book, let's, let's say maybe they're a tween or even a teenager, and if it doesn't grip them in the first 20 pages, this is boring, I don't like it, you know, and there's 300 pages to go. Well, that, yeah, that's a problem. Now, that's, that's a problem for us as adults, true, right? We need to develop that perseverance to hang in there, let's say, with a long book. 
Uh, sermons too. First two minutes doesn't grab you, then what? Well, it probably won't. So we need to learn this to hang in there. Is technology helping or hindering us from actually being patient? Okay, and, and particularly patient with the people around us. Okay, number six, is it helping us be content? Be content. I mean, if we're always asking for more, seeking for more, what that means is just we lack self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. We can be enslaved to a lust for more. That's it's kind of like Ecclesiastes. Remember when we studied that? There is a chasing after the wind, constantly trying to catch the wind, which obviously is impossible. And even, like, the writer of Ecclesiastes knew something, because he even said, of the making of books, there is no end. And that was, like, thousands of years before the printing press. So he, he figured that out. So there's a lot of wisdom there. So can... Can you, can your children, can you, can you take a fast? Could you take a day off from texting or emailing? Maybe avoid Instagram or Twitter for a, for a whole day or, or skip that game that you really want to watch. That's where it gets convicting for me. Now, I think you're here and you're saying, well, yeah, I could totally do that. Great. But will you? We can say we will, but... Will we actually do that? So, so it's just even as parents to think, like, what would that look like? And some of you, I think, maybe are doing that, which is great. But what would it look like for you to have a family technology fast? And I wouldn't recommend for like a month. Start with an afternoon, maybe. Just start with that. Maybe you go to a day then. Okay, but again, the question we're asking, is social media technology helping or hindering you as a parent from being content? And then you can see the effect that it's having potentially on your kids. Number seven, is it helping us be real? Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine. The point there is real. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. The gospel is not a virtual reality game, right? Jesus' love did not cost him his virtual life. He was real flesh and blood. He contended with a real Satan. He showed real courage. He felt real pain. He was nailed to a very real cross. He experienced a very real bodily resurrection. So that's reality. Oftentimes, technology, social media can, can feed sort of the fantasy world. But yet Jesus calls us to, to love real people and to love real families and real church members and People with real sins and real difficulties just as we have. And so is, is technology actually helping us to, to do that? Is it propelling us to do that? Uh, and like I said, there's, there's dangers here, obviously, because that whole world, and I'm thinking here probably more specifically of the, on the social media end of things, I mean, you can, you can kind of be whoever you want to be. You can project to people the kind of image that you want to project, which may or may not be the real you. And then you get to determine kind of the limits of that. I'll let them see this, but not that. I'm going to put this here, but not that. Uh, and so in one sense, the, the only sort of you that people will know is the you that you want them to know. Uh, and that can lead to a whole bunch of challenges. And, and our kids, I mean, even from an, an early age, I think all of us as parents would say we want them to grow up to be honest and authentic and sympathetic and humble and genuine and real. So we have to ask that question. Well, is... Our, our massive amount of technology and social media, is it actually helping our kids be real? Now again, on, on the one side, you can use technology to, to help with real stuff of life. I, one of the things I do, with, at least with like YouTube, there are great videos there on like how to fix, fix a kitchen sink. That's a real problem for me, so I really like YouTube videos that are super helpful. So it may be that you can get your kids involved with that too. Like, like, let's kind of redeem that. How can we use, like maybe they're working on a project or something, and you can Google stuff, and it's like, okay, that's how you do it. That's cool, okay? But we're, we're just trying to help them get out of this fantasy world and deal with the real world that God calls them to live in, okay? Number eight, is it helping us, technology, social media, is it helping us to pray? Is it helping us to pray? Does does it encourage us to pray? You know, when Jesus faced overwhelming crowds, what did he do? He went away. He went to those desolate places to pray. So can you as a parent, is that what you're doing? And can you help your children do that with, again, just a normal week in a child's life, inundated with all kinds of information? 
can we encourage them to say, look, with all this massive amount of information, what we actually need to do as a family is to get away and pray. And again, that, I'm not suggesting you're taking, you know, four-hour prayer retreats, but it may be 10 minutes. And, and you know, you, you read the headlines, and uh, little Johnny or Susie's talking about something at school on the playground and something that their friend said because their parents said that. I mean, those are opportunities to, to actually pray about world events with your, your children. You're helping them engage with the Lord in those things. Uh, again, this is uh, 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled that you can pray. Here, I think, is one of the biggest challenges uh, as we think about social media and technology. It's not just that it's distracting. That is a challenge. But, it, but underneath, it actually, it actually promises more than that. Because when it comes out, it's just not, the message is not, oh, just, just be distracted, it's okay. What it actually seeks to promise here is, is an alternative at root for, for God. It's like a, an alternative to stress and anxiety and worries. Put that aside. It's a God alternative. So video games and movies and news sites, all that stuff. We can, when we're stressed or anxious or worried or fearful, we can easily, man, I just need to unplug. Like how many of you, I just need to put my, I need to stop thinking. And yet in those moments, what do we, what do we need most? We need the Lord to be our refuge and our rock. God wants to be our refuge. So we want to turn to him. So we want to make that a habit then of praying at all times, certainly with our kids, especially when you know, we're feeling pressed or squeezed in some way. So we want to train them not to run to a screen, but actually to run to Jesus because he's the one that can help, okay? So again, technology helping or hindering from praying. Number nine, is it helping us be humble? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. So again, in posting stuff, you know, do, we have to consider our motives uh, when you share things or your kids things, successes, you know, or when you go and you read somebody else's Instagram or whatever, and you see that perfectly made meal, does that inspire you to envy? Does it inspire you to give thanks to God? Does it inspire you to sinfully compare yourself to others? Those are some of the questions that, that we need to ask. We need to help our children wrestle with this. Is it helping us be humble? Tenth, is it helping us be wise stewards? Is helping us be wise stewards. That's Ephesians 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So there, there's, what's the cost, I guess? We want to think about that. We want to count the cost of time. Uh, and that may be, I mean, you know, we think of Proverbs where the encouragement there, young men, to be diligent in their labor, the, certainly the Proverbs 31 woman uh, who was very industrious, running a real household, staying up real late, married to a real man, she had real children, getting up real early. Now I get she's the composite of a lot of different uh, attributes, but she is a picture, right, of, of godliness. So I don't think that Proverbs 31 woman is, is spending seven hours a day on Pinterest. Uh, how could she? So we have to count the cost on that, right? Is technology helping or hindering us from being wise stewards, from really fulfilling the commitments that the Lord would have us, that he puts right in front of our face? Okay, bonus question, and then we'll move to the Q&A. Is technology, and really this is, this is sort of the group all question, okay? If there's just one question, if you only remember one question from all of this, probably this one, is technology helping me to be holy? That's the goal. Christ-likeness, honoring God, glorifying God, living a life worthy of the gospel. Is, is technology, social media, is, is it really helping me to honor Christ in this way? James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Hebrews 12, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness of with, without which no one will see the Lord. Philippians 4.8, here's what Paul says. He's very explicit. Here's what you need to be thinking about. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is 
commendable. And again, when Paul, in Philippians there, he's giving us a picture of Jesus. So really think on Jesus. So again, bottom line, you can work your way through these questions, but, but is technology, social media, helping or hindering us as parents? It's gotta land on our hearts first, and then as we think about our families, as we want them to, to serve the Lord, right? That's our greatest goal as parents, is that our kids would one day worship the Lord and honor Him and serve Him. Are we being mastered by technology and social media? Maybe we just haven't thought too much about it because it is just like the air we breathe, so that's a, maybe that's a step for you and your family, husband and wife, to just think about that. Take inventory of your week, just the, the rate at which you know, your, things are coming at you. Uh, are we being mastered by it, or is it mastering, uh, or are we mastering it, or is it mastering us? And we need lots of grace here. And the grace of the gospel means that we actually can change, and that God delights, and he wants to bring us that change. God will honor that as we seek to make wise changes uh, moving in that direction of greater holiness. Okay, so 10 questions plus a bonus one. Uh, okay, I'm gonna ask the panel, if they'd come up on stage, now, and uh, we will enjoy some Q&A again. Thanks for getting your questions in. Um, let's see, I got a mic here that we'll pass down. Ah, oh, right there. Yeah, we kind of got two sides here, so we'll Unless, Drew, you want to sit right behind the pulpit, but I, I, I wouldn't. Okay, so uh, first of all, thanks, panel. Let's just do this. Let's uh, just go ahead and, you want to just pass the mic down to the end, and we'll work our way back this way. Just take a quick second and introduce yourself, and if you can, um, you know, the, the, the season of life, ages, names, if you want, of your kids. So that'll give us a sense for where we're at here. We have a diversity here, uh, and then we'll go for it. I'm Tim uh, Proctor. I'm currently 75 years old, and I am retired. And I don't know how long I've been retired, but I do know today is Sunday. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm his other half. I'm Vicki. And we have, uh, talking about families, we have uh, four kids and 10 grandkids. So. It's been a wonderful journey being a parent and now a grandparent, so we've loved it. I'm the result. <laughs> so uh, you're looking at live action parenting advice. My kids are 10, 8, and 5, and so we're kind of in the thick of it, um, just walking through some of that. So, um, yep, that's me. My name is Drew. We have five kids, 10, 8, 5, 3, and... Ten months. Ten months. And I'm Jamie Schaefer. I'm Becky Brinkman. Do you want me to say? Okay, we have three or four kids, but I was going to say three girls, 15, 13, 12, and a 10-year-old boy. Hold on to that. Yeah, you can hold on to that. So we'll just use this mic. We'll pass it down. Uh, again, thanks for submitting some questions. Here's the first question. Uh, this might be more geared to the moms up here. As a mother, I often find myself very fearful. Am I ruining my kids? Will they pick up all my bad habits and sins? How do you handle these sorts of fears and yet not give in to them all the time? How do you just fight those fears, uh, particularly as a mom? Okay. Um, I'm sure all of us could speak to that, so I won't say a ton, but I'm a normal mom who's had lots of fears. And um, I think the first one, when they were babies, I just always reminded myself they belong to Jesus before they belong to me, and he loves them more than I could ever love them. And so that was, you know, helpful. There's a lot of fears, I think, when they're little about, like, a lot of physical things that are just, like, their safety. I don't know. But as they got older, of course, thing you want more than anything is for them to really just surrender their life to Jesus and just telling myself over and over that I can help shape them and help um, them. I can point them to Jesus, but I just, I cannot redeem them. I can't regenerate their hearts and just continually trusting that 
God alone is the author of salvation, and he's the only one that can do that. Um, and there's, I mean, there's so many areas of fears. Um, so I'll let someone else talk to you. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, lots of prayer, like you're saying, trusting God, uh, praying a lot when you're fearful, just bringing it to the Lord. Um, and then also part of that question was about uh, fearing that they'll fall into sin or Could pick I, up your yeah. pick up your bad habits or sins. And I think personally, I want my kids to see my bad habits and my sins because I want to train them. These are things I struggle with, and you'll probably need to um, be aware of these things because we are probably going to have the same sin tendencies. You're my child, and so kind of like make a roadmap. Um, and then have them see me working on these things and going to the Lord and repenting in front of them. I think that's just a way to share the gospel and how. Um, and my dad did the same with me, and so I haven't fallen into his sin patterns, and I'm thankful for that. So I don't think that's something to fear, but just to use in a good way. Well, I remember the fear of thinking I was going to be a good mom and was excited and then the work came, and you become fearful. And I found myself as a perfectionist, where you can't be a perfectionist because your kids aren't perfect, only God is perfect. And in that, I think that um, God loves us. And when we turn our heart to him and love him, he walks with us. And there's the body of Christ, each one of you. We can turn to each other, you know, and help. But the fear comes when we trust ourselves. When I came to a place where I was feeling like I'm trying to be perfect, and I couldn't do it. You don't have the strength to do it in yourself. And so when you're fearful, you're trying to do it yourself. And I think reaching into the Lord um, first to let him love you so that you can love your children. And it's nothing we can do ourselves, And I think that's the greatest thing I think we can do is loving our children, not in our own strength. We become fearful, perfectionistic. We feel like we should say this, and I shouldn't have said this to my kids, you know. And it's coming to a place where you can say, be humble and honest with your kids to be able to talk to them so that you can say, I'm sorry. Mom is wrong. You know, I didn't do the right thing. And they learn to say they're sorry, not only to you as a parent, but to each other. And then walk with your kids. Walk with them. The fears go away when we stop trying to fix them or do the right thing or what everybody else is trying to make us feel like, well, they're perfect and they can do all this, but this is me. I'm kind of a failure. Well, we may fail for one day, but God does not call us to be a failure. He loves us. He redeemed us. And we have so much. The gift that we've given to raise our kids is to glorify God in everything we do, that we can be a witness that we walk with Christ and that others can see it through our families. So we have a big calling. Parents have a huge calling. But you don't do it alone, and you don't do it in fear. And we have each other, and we have the Lord, and... All is good. I love being a parent, and may we share it together with each other, because there's a lot of wisdom out here that each of you have had, and walking with the Lord as well. That's great. That's, that's uh, especially like Vicki, you mentioned just the, the role of the body here as well. So this is where, particularly if maybe you're a, a, a young mom, talk to Vicki. She's got a lot of wisdom. And at the very least, just to say, you know what, you're gonna, it's going to be okay. So sometimes it's yeah, sure. Um, and that's one of the ways, that's one of God's graces for you, for us, uh, as we think about parents. Go ahead. Yeah, just um, jumping off of that, even though it's not maybe directly related to the question, like, I have noticed since um, for several years that a lot of young parents, they don't naturally automatically go to, like, call the, the older parent. They go, a Google search is, you know, and they go to, like, not that there's not good resources out there, but I remember when I was single and I had a friend in the church I was in, like, 
it would just be like, because there wasn't the technology, like they would have like their mom that they called that was just a little further down the road and just to seek wisdom. And so I just want to second what Jeff said about people like Vicki and um, other parents who maybe are just a mile more down the road. Um, obviously, ultimately our wisdom comes from the Lord, but um, try not to like just first try to figure it out, out yourself through all the wonders of technology. And also, will they pick up on your bad habits? Yes. So sorry. Um, <laughs> but just to reiterate what Jamie said, like, it is so hard at first, but it's so freeing to be able to just be humble before your kids and say, I really need Jesus. And um, like in that, in that instance, I was, I was not depending on Jesus. I was not um, relying on the Holy Spirit to be patient. Please forgive me. I say that to my kids so much. And it's I used to think, oh, my goodness, why would they even want to follow Jesus when they see their mom, like, messing up over and over again? But I do think that that, um, it, I, I think it helps them actually want to. Yeah. Uh, and guys, husbands here, we're not immune from fears either, so I think everything that was just said there, you can apply that to your heart too. Um, uh, but uh, so we got to move on to the next question here. Uh, let's see, how and when... Uh, there were several questions related to this, so I'm kind of grouping this here so we can riff off of this. Uh, how and when do I talk to my kids about sex or about uh, the current climate, cultural climate, LGBTQ issues, issues of gender and sexuality? What does that look like? We know as parents we, we want to, we need to talk to our kids about this, but uh, maybe some wisdom here. How and what and what, is that, what should that look like? I would say early and often, talk to them. You want your influence to be more prevalent in their lives than the world's, and the world is just flooding their heads with this garbage. So you want to be that primary influence. Um, we probably had a first talk in this vein. Uh, our oldest two are 10 and 8, and it was probably two years ago, and it was together with them. Um, so that's how we did it, and I would say that was not too early. I'm glad we did, and I would say the only thing that I might change is that we uh, probably did it, you know, discuss things more often. Um, we do when we can or when there's an obvious need, and it actually, it's, get, it's, it's easier every time, too, just to encourage you. Like, they, they get used to it. They get used to hearing their parents talk about sex. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping it ends up kind of normal. Not, not weird, not uncomfortable uh, as we do that. But Jamie has a couple things to hear. This is a really good resource that we've used. It's called God's Design. And um, you, Drew goes through it with just the boys. Uh, we, we were more consistent. I don't know how far they are, but like once a week, just sits down, and then it kind of opens up questions, and it talks about, like, biblical manhood and womanhood and what that looks like, and it's, it's really good. And it's a great resource for explaining topics like homosexuality. We went through that with our kids when they were pretty young, um, and they understood. It's explained in a really great way, so. I'll just, um, <clears throat> we live in such a different world, I think, today than when, I grew up, and so one of the things that, I mean, it is going to, like, hit your family, I suppose, is the thing I've already seen in our home, um, and I think there's a lot of wisdom that you have to have in this situation, because, like, um, there are, uh, I think the general cultural push is to say, you need to talk about everything, like, straight, straight away, and I would say, like, with young kids, absolutely not. Like, there's a lot of wisdom where I pull back. And similar to what uh, Drew and Jamie are saying, like, you give them a biblical picture of sexuality, of, of human sexuality, where it is good. But there's a lot of wisdom to say, not yet. Like, I'm going to, like, pull that back, and I'm not going to confuse them. I'll give an example of uh, someone had, I'm not going to give an example of who, but we had had someone watch our kids, and they had a very different worldview that I don't think I quite picked up on. But they started to talk to our kids about human sexuality in ways that I was very uncomfortable with. And we started, when we came back, we talked to them about it. And then they were saying, like, your kids are asking these questions. Like, well, they're a kid. Like, <laughs> give them boundaries. Like, or for you, like, you're not their parent. Like, 
you can stop it and just tell me about it. Like you don't, like our culture is basically saying they get to decide everything about their sexuality from day one. It's like, no, like you get to form that, you get to shape that. And so to me, as I've seen it, it's like, I don't need to know exactly uh, everything that's going on in the world and I don't need to flesh that completely out, but I do have the responsibility to stop it at points and to provide wisdom and guidance and say, this is what scripture says. And there's also a wisdom when things hit them, don't ignore it, like deal with it. It's the thing I've seen, like uh, to a certain degree, it's like I'm not gonna give them the fullness of like the problem even, like there's certain problems, like it is extremely messy in the world out there. And I don't need to, it's just because they heard about LGBTQ issues, tell them the brokenness of that whole situation. I remember. Uh, being in St. Louis, Emily and I found ourselves in the middle of an LGBTQ pride, like, <laughs> uh, just week, and it was just absolutely vulgar, and I just, you know, we got in the middle of it, didn't realize where we were at, I was like, oh no, like, this is awful, and so we turned around, got out of there, and like, you know, I didn't make a big deal with, it with my kids, but we did talk about some of the questions that they had, things that hit them, like, I'm not going to ignore it, but I'm also not going to drive down to it. This is everything that they were saying. Let me give you a full picture. It's like there's, especially with young kids, there's a, there's a real wisdom I believe we need to have to not take them there before they're even ready. Um, and there's a protection, especially young. So I would say often and early, but some of that, there's a lot of wisdom in my sense of just how much, how fast, and make sure that they have a good foundation before you. Just throw them in the deep end. Like, <laughs> good luck. So I'd love to hear you, uh, your guys' thoughts too. It's a very different well, real quick, when we had our fourth child, I overheard Paul and his two brothers talking and saying, you mean mom and dad did it four times? <laughs> <laughs> so the point being, we had done our job as parents. But I would just say real quickly, when we raised our family, understand our age, uh, you could kind of approach children on the issue of sex and other issues relating uh, when they were ready for it. It's different today because there's so much coming at them. So I would say, the only advice I would give is ask questions. Don't be afraid to say to your kids, well, what are your friends talking about? And build that relationship. And kids will tell you. And then on that basis, you can begin to help direct them properly. So I agree with everything you guys said. And uh, Lord bless you, because it's a difficult time to get kids through the minefield. So Vicki, anything else? Yeah. Um, I would say something just to keep in mind, especially for those of you who have um, young kids, is you really start talking about this issue from the very beginning. You don't go into, you're not reading your two-year-old probably through this book. You're saying every opportunity you can, you say, oh, God made boys and girls different. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? And then you say, oh, and kids talk about like funny things and then you just take the opportunity to say oh you know what boys marry girls and girls marry boys and that's God's perfect and only design and I said that so many times before we ever talk to the kids about homosexuality because then it's setting that um what's the word foundation yeah that that I mean it was over and over and over God's only and best design and he is so good and he's so loving and, um, you know, the kids will say funny things like, I'm going to marry daddy or, you know, and it's like, oh, I know you love daddy so much, but he belongs to me. And, you know, just like there's so many different ways you can set that foundation. So when, because I was sad, I was sad to tell my kids about deviations from God's perfect design because it's just so like, what in the world to them? You know, like it's, it's a natural thing for them to be like, what? But it's also crazy how, like, it's just, like, it's their world, even though it's, they know that it's not right. It's just so around them. So I just, yeah. you really have to talk about it. And um, it's also, like, the transgender thing, I think is really not hard at all to talk about because it's all about identity. And everybody in this world struggles with identity. So when they meet somebody like that, their natural tendency is to be like, whoa, that's weird. Or, But it's like... The other thing I would really reiterate or say is to, like, drive into your kids all are made in the image of God because 
it's going to be so um, important for them in their worlds as they interact with people um, in that community to really first see them as made in the image of God. And I have to tell myself that. I mean, yesterday at Starbucks, um, Missy was my um, person that served me, but Missy was not a Missy. Um, <laughs> and I just like, I just look at them and I think super sad, but made in God's image and just, they have a soul. And, um, but yeah, just like really emphasizing God's good design. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I think kind of bringing that together, age appropriate, certainly. I mean, these are why as parents, you pray for wisdom and you're, if you have four kids, they're all different. So one of them, you know, you, you may be able to start at an earlier age potentially than the other. And so this is where we're just praying, Lord, help me, give me wisdom, um, age appropriate, communicating early and often a real biblical worldview of sexuality. That's what we're talking about here, God's original design, uh, a real positive view. I think we do our kids a big disservice when we, or when they sense that we're afraid to talk about this. And so that's on us as parents just to be able to say, we're not afraid to talk about this which doesn't mean it's not hard or complicated or even awkward. But, uh, and that's the other thing too, that this is not just one conversation and then you move on. It's super fun when you're on a car ride and one of your kids is like, hey, and then they ask this like kind of crazy, like not crazy, but this question. Yeah, about head sex, down, drive. And like, okay, well, captive audience here. Yeah, <laughs> that's when I say, okay, Beck, go ahead. Take I'm always like, time. sorry, JT, because yeah. he's a little behind. <laughs> We're at the girls. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, question here. And by the way, on all of that, this is where we want to help. So as you have questions, and you will, um, again, through our home groups, certainly as elders here, we want to be able to help and give uh, wisdom and, and prayer so that uh, you're, you're not alone. Um, here's a question. There were a couple questions related to this. Uh, I'll, I'll say a teenager, but this could actually apply younger and older. But uh, my child, teenager, doesn't seem interested in anything spiritually just kind of going with the flow, or maybe going in the opposite direction as a parent. You know, it, it grieves me. How do I respond in really God-honoring ways to a wayward child? Oh, we're talking about teenagers. All right. I missed that one. Um, I think with teenagers, it starts long before they're teenagers. It's when they're young children, you began talking to them so that when they reach um, the age where they make their own decisions, you have conversation. They may be appearing to be walking away, but when you love them and talk to them about where they're at, why they feel the way they do, you know, do things with them and engage them in conversation so that you can get at the core of God-honoring ways to share the Lord and why they're going in a different direction. I think the core of it is love your kids, walk with them, especially teenagers, because they have their own thoughts and ideas and they're testing things and even their faith. They're not sure where they're going sometimes. So just stand with them and walk with them and if you get a little verse, I remember doing that. I would take a little verse and pin it up on the bulletin board of the kids, you know, not saying anything, not discussion, but just a verse of something I was thinking about where they're at as a teenager and what they're struggling with, and just an encouragement with no discussion, just letting God speak to them. I will say just on the, <clears throat> the recipient side of just like what my parents did, like there is a, <clears throat> a real sense, I think, as you, as, that I learned from them. One of the things that um, regularly came up is that my parents didn't like diminish the spiritual questions I had at a young age. So then when I became a teen, like those uh, seemingly silly questions weren't silly to them still. And so like pressing those, I think that's something I've learned. Like as simple as something, you know, even my five-year-old asks, like, this is her spiritual world. Like, this is very serious to her. And when she's, like, losing her mind about something, and, like, the temptation is to squash it and say, like, someday we'll get to real serious issues. Uh, and one of the things I learned from you guys was, like, take those seriously. Help us to process spiritual questions from a very early age. Like, uh, you know, laying a foundation for why does 
the word of God matter? Why does God being the king of all creation actually impact my life? Uh, sometimes those get lost in the clouds. And I think hearing this from them just on a regular basis uh, and just engaging with me. Like when I became a teenager, it was like, I know where I'm going to go with these questions. So to me, that was really, really impactful. And I think uh, when I worked in youth group situations, I know Jeff has worked there too, like sometimes people would come with problems with their teenager that were very severe, and they'd say, could you just meet with them for coffee and, and sort it out? And it was kind of like, not, not really. Like, we can pray with them, we can care with them, but like, like we are trusting in the Lord now, and it is hard. And you, but you're trying to make up a lot of lost ground at that point. And it's like, we do still trust the Lord to build the house even at that point, that the Lord is gracious and he's kind. But there's kind of a sense like, like you need to focus a ton when they're young if you want to have time later. And my, my estimation just watching it, and I think Scripture talks about that pretty regularly too. Um, I, I don't know uh, if I want to just also say that like that's to create that environment where they could ask anything and it's never wrong to have doubts or I mean you know in like what you were saying Vicki and that you because I've heard you know just stories of kids who like grew up in a Christian home and they just were never allowed to say well I don't really think that's true or so just creating that environment so they can ask anything and, and yes, be able to be real. And um, also, like, when they do make a profession of faith, um, you know, and you think you see some real fruit, it's very exciting. But it's their journey. <laughs> that sounds so, like, cliche. But it is. Like, they are not going to instantly be at the maturity that you're at. So to let, to really just, to not create a culture of, like, works um, once they've said they want to follow Jesus, like then having some kind of, yes, we want to go to God's standard, but he, we also want to constantly be reminding them what makes, what saves them and what makes someone a Christian is very simple, really. And um, that, that, you know, you just really pray for their growth and that, that it could be their, um, let, allow God to work rather than ha piling on these like, this is what a good Christian is, because that'll turn them away, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think, I'm thinking of a friend here, and who's, especially in recent days, and his kid, they don't live in this area, but his, talked to him a lot about this, and his kids are adults, and grew up in the church, they're great parents, and really struggling uh, with this, and, and I think, just hearing from him, there's a couple things that stand out, one, and we've talked about it here, they're there's a real desire on his and his wife's part to maintain the relationship. They, obviously, they've had that conversation and conversations with uh, their wayward child, and, and yet he's still taking them out for lunch. They know that there's a difference. You know, they've had that conversation, but yet they love them. In this case, it's a, it's a daughter. And, and so just like the perseverance to, to, to stick in there, like where the knee-jerk response is like, well, let's no, but there's a real just a desire to maintain the relationship. I think the other thing um, that's really stood out is, is, and they've had to learn this too, of, of not, not making every conversation about the Bible. And that kind of goes with the relationship. They want to take an interest in the things that she's interested in, in this season of life, however wayward it might be. Um, it's just called love and meeting them where they're at. Maybe the most important thing, and, and uh, this, this is super hard, but by God's grace um, that, I mean, th their daughter knows that they are brokenhearted, that it grieves them, but their daughter also knows that her waywardness or just outward rebellion doesn't nullify the grace and the joy of the Lord in their heart as parents. Uh, does that make sense? So, because they want their wayward daughter to see that, yes, this is super hard and painful, but yet not even that can rob us of the joy of the Lord. And, and, and we're still following Him, and we're trusting, and, and that's, been, that's been huge, I think, uh, for them. Okay, man, our time is getting away here. Um, how about, as we end here, some uh, encouragements? Uh, there were several questions related to that of, look, 
parenting is hard, it is tough, and several other adjectives. Like, does it ever get easier, one of you? <laughs> I really appreciate that. Does it ever get easier? Uh, but just some godly encouragement here for all of us as parents. Let's close on that. Um, I think that God says parenting. It's a blessing to be a parent and have children. And I think it's all about your heart attitude in the moment. And I've learned that if I wake up grumpy, then... I won't have a joyful day, but if I exact same day and I wake up with a cheerful heart and I'm ready to obey what God has in front of me, then I will have joy and it, children are a blessing. And so I think really heart attitude is huge. And just like Jeff said, having your joy in the Lord. I'm told it does not get easier. <laughs> I'm, I know where I'm at and I'm tired a lot. I'm told that the problems only get more difficult. So maybe you're not talking about spilled milk as much, but you are talking about serious relational issues. Uh, so just more complicated, more emotionally draining. But like what Jamie said, you know, kids are a blessing. So if we take God at his word, we need, kids are a blessing. We need to find, wait, how, when, you know, and, and, and work through that. And a lot of times, it, Jamie's talking about her heart attitude if you wake up grumpy or something. But also, I find if, if I'm prioritizing, hey, once the kids are in bed, I want to do this, I'm much more prone to be grumpy putting kids to bed because it takes too long, right? Because I have something I want to do. But if I think of my biblical priorities, it's parent these kids. gives me a lot more patience for them. And honestly, I do think God blesses that often in terms of, that, that would turn bedtime into a joy. One tiny example, but I just see that, that type of help from the Lord often. Uh, similarly, I heard it gets harder too, so we'll see what happens. Uh, no, I do think that the general thrust of like young, young kids like are extremely exhausting, so like you just don't sleep. It's like <laughs> just this constant pressure that's on you. And I do think like, I've noticed even as you get beyond the infant stage, like it does get easier to some degree, but the temptation is to kind of like, you know, say finally like they're just sleeping and I'm not going to like trust in the Lord for these, these other things that are going on and actually press back in. And so I think like there's a sense it should always be a priority. Like shouldn't just take like, oh, it's easier as a chance to say my, my responsibility is now lessening because um, it, my sense is like it gets easier for a little while, then it's going to get a lot harder as it hits later years. But um, yeah, I think there's there's a sense of if I am at the point of like desperation, I just can't make it anymore. Um, that's a good spot to turn to the Lord to remind myself like this is discipleship, and the Lord says I have all authority in the Great Commission, and I'll be with you. It's like this is the core of a parenting. <laughs> promise for us to say the Lord will be with us. So, mm -hmm. Well, I would just say for those of you that have infants, it's the best time of life because they stay where you put them. <laughs> and it does get more difficult and it gets more heartbreaking, but it also is much, much more rewarding. And I would just say uh, there's one point here is what have I learned about God? And I've learned that God's plan is 100%. I've learned that scripture is what walks me through parenting, and it always has. And I would just say to you, do not give up. Don't quit praying. Don't quit talking. And uh, take a lot of time to try to understand where your kids are coming from. Invest that time in them. And turn to the body of Christ to help support you and encourage you. But it, but it is a difficult journey as kids get older, and they can break our hearts. So I would say don't give up. I just want to say that each one of us, with children, there was no instructions that came with them. And yet God gives us the instruction we need. And so I would just say to trust the Lord through prayer, through others, and walk with your kids with joy. Have times where you can stop, not trying to fix things, but just have joy with them, do things with them, and to find times where you can laugh with your mm -hmm. kids. And just stop because it's a hard job and it's a lot of work and you put so much pressure on yourself sometimes that you need to stop and enjoy them. And it's a beautiful journey 
when you trust the Lord and um, walk with your kids and love them and walk with each other, and it's great. I'm a grandparent now, so I can enjoy the grandkids without all the responsibility you have as parents, but I'm there for the kids, our grandkids too. Those are wise, wise, wise words. I hope this has been encouraging. Let me pray, and uh, then we'll be dismissed. Thank you, panel. Father, uh, we come to you in need, uh, especially as parents here and as those who love kids, Lord, we uh, recognize our great need for you. We are weak and frail. We are working on our own salvation we add our own sin, and yet, Lord, through it all, you are faithful. So help us to find our hope, not in our kids, but in you, and to trust you, Lord, way more than we do with their lives, with our lives, and with our families. And I pray that you would give us joy, even today, Lord, joy in this incredible task of parenting, joy in our roles, Lord, as adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. Grant us that joy, I pray, as a gift of your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.